This morning, I'll be reading from Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That promise is a strong one. The gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. It's strong because of the one who said it. The one who said it is the one who created the world. The one who made that promise is the one who died for our sins. It's the one who demonstrated his love for us. It's the one who reconciled us to the Father. It's the one who one day will return physically to reunite us with him. It's the one who said, I'm leaving, but I go to prepare a place for you. And I will come back and take you to where I am. It's a strong affirmation. I want you to hear it again. Matthew 16, 18. Again, Jesus is talking to Peter. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, this confession that Peter has made, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And that's such a strong affirmation. And it's not the only confident, strong affirmation that you hear in God's word. You hear it again and again. You hear in places like 1 John 4, 4. Greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. You hear that affirmation, that strong affirmation in places like 2 Timothy 2.9, where Paul, who says, I'm in chains, I'm literally a prisoner, but God's word is not in chains. You hear that kind of affirmation in 1 Thessalonians, where Paul can write, you might have experienced great affliction, but God's word continues to go out. The gospel continues to make progress. This morning, I wanted to start with that clear affirmation of God's power. Jesus says, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it because I want to end with a clear call for what we should do in light of that. But I, th I think this passage can instill some confidence in us as we see God's work through the church. It's been especially helpful to me even as I've thought through some of the challenging, difficult times of being a church in this particular season. This morning, I want to talk about where we are. We've looked several weeks at who we are as the body of Christ, but I just want to locate us for a few moments. I want to locate where we are. We're going to hear from God's Word, and I want to share just what the Lord's been laying on my heart, some insights that I feel like the Lord's been giving me. And I want you to hear from the Lord, but I also want you to hear what's been on my heart and what I think where the Lord has been directing and really showing Himself strong. In the Old Testament, I've noticed, so I've been reading through Scripture and kind of catching up in my Bible reading plan, and I've noticed 
I've noticed often at God's direction, God's people will stop and in some way mark particular time, have a, a monument or some memorial, some marker. And I, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but I think there's something significant. And the reason they're doing that, and I think the reason God directed His people to do that on occasion, is to say, okay, take inventory at where you've been and what I've done. And as you do that, think about how that ought to drive decisions right now and how that ought to give you confidence and trust in the future when you go out into places that are brand new and places that are unknown. Make this kind of memorial, make this monument, make this marker, something that will tell you God has been faithful. And if I could do some of that this morning, that's what I would like to do. I'd like to mark some of where we've been as well, some of where we are, and I'd like to look ahead. But I, I do want to start right here. I want to start by remembering for our church the recent past. Remembering the recent past. If I could kind of locate where we are. I, I want us to think, and, and we're going to do this for the sake of reminding ourselves of the faithfulness of God. We're going to put some stakes in the ground. We've walked and continue to walk through a tough season, and that's not cliche. That's not just trying to fill, fill time here. I do believe God has been faithful, and He's been close, and He's been our refuge, and He's been our strength, and He's been protecting and helping. And that doesn't diminish any of the fact that it's been a very, very tough season. So you have friends like I do. You have fellow church members like I do, and you've, you've felt the pain of what the last several months have has caused. I, I, know, I know God has been good in so many ways, and we, can, we could count those blessings, and we will in just a moment, but people have lost loved ones in this season, and funerals and memorial services are always difficult, but you can magnify that in this kind of season. People have been separated from loved ones in the hospital, and it's been painful. It's been painful as friends to watch. It's been painful not to be able to visit and at least offer prayer and comfort along, uh, alongside someone that is walking through some difficult times, physically with your presence. There are those whose lives have been rearranged, weddings have been rearranged, babies that have been delivered during COVID, and there have been several in our congregation, that it's added a, another layer of complexities. I think of all the significant events that have been missed, and some of those may not be like significant to the grand world scheme of things, but they're significant in lives. They're significant in homes. They're a part of what makes us human, and they've been missed. I think of those who have been, because of distance and because of quarantine and lockdown, not able to see loved ones. I think of, you know, Ogletown is affected a lot because of just the nature of our congregation by the school year, and I think of all the anxieties and stress that have been caused related to school, whether it be teachers or parents or students. I think of procedures that had to be postponed. I think of jobs that even if they weren't lost, they became uncertain, they became harder, more challenging, more complicated. There's definitely been a level of stress and depression, anxiety. And there's just an overall kind of a disconnectedness which isn't really good for us. Like God didn't, it's good for human beings not to be alone, right? That's back in Genesis. And then when we are alone, we've felt that. There have been, I think, not to be like a downer here at the beginning, but there have been a lot of downs and not a lot of ups. And I felt that. And I feel like we've absorbed that. But that has not changed the fact, church. I read in Psalm 119, verse 68, 
But the psalmist says, you are good and you do good. You are good and you do good. And God has been doing good things. And I wanted to reflect on that. I want us to remember a little bit of the recent past because I've been reminded through this season, particularly through an example that God will provide for our church. God will provide for our church. So God provides, and sometimes it's in like dramatic ways, miracle ways, like 5,000 hungry people getting fed. God walks on water and stills the storm. I mean, God provides in some pretty strong, powerful ways. And then other things, just like, no, God provides our daily bread. It doesn't seem that miraculous, but he shows up and provides. And God has provided. So when COVID hit, so think mid-March, which is like a long time ago, when, when that came and I knew we couldn't gather as a body, beginning to put that together, we, I was grateful because I knew we had the equipment and we had the expertise and we had the people that could help us shift to online services. So at least we would have something. It's not the same, but at least we would have something that we could record and we could provide and at least be together in some capacity. And I was humbled by the people that made that happen. Hours were invested. Hours each week were invested in that. And yet I knew, like, I knew this day would come where we would be gathering. Some of us would be gathering back on site and others would be gathering online. And I knew recording wouldn't be like service well long-term. So what we needed was the live stream. And so we began to kind of piece that together where we could serve, okay, people gathering, but as our church is kind of uh, disjointed for a little while, we knew we wanted to live stream. We knew we wanted to make that and we knew we wanted to do it well, and to do it well isn't cheap, and to do it well isn't easy, not consistently. And so how, how would the Lord provide where we could do this in a way where it'd be minimally distracting? And I have to tell you a story, church, because God provided, I told you it's not cheap, but yet God provided the funding for us, and he did so in a, in a way I don't think I'll forget. So at the beginning, I, I don't know, toward the end of February, the beginning of March, we began hearing that a gift someone had given to our church, an estate gift, that, that that money was going to clear and we were going to be able to take possession of that money. This person had been planning this estate gift for 10 years, had been working through the estate over a couple years. It was someone who had gone to our church long before most of us ever even were at Ogletown, maybe even before we even knew Ogletown existed. Loved this church, loved this ministry, loved what God was doing through this church in Newark. And so he gave a sizable contribution to Ogletown. And again, that cleared right at the beginning of March. And I remember talking about it as a staff, talking about it as a shepherding team, as a stewardship committee, like, okay, how will we best invest those funds? Let's pray, let's ask the Lord's wisdom because we didn't, did not expect this. And, and then shortly after that, we knew, like, Lord, you provided. So you orchestrated circumstances where in the financial uncertainty of mid-March, like when we don't know whether, you know, all kinds of jobs are going to be lost, we don't know how we're going to be able to do that, where it seems wise to conserve money, not spend it. But yet we know we need to spend it to serve people for the long haul. It's like the Lord just opened this door and says, I have been planning this, and it's been in the works for 10 years. And I know how to drop it in the account at exactly the moment where it will be unmistakable that this is my provision for you. And you may live in a world of coincidences, but when I've walked with the Lord over these years, I, I've learned I don't view those as coincidences. I view those as God providing exactly for our church family, just as we need it. 
And God gave us a great contractor who set us up for success week one, but that still didn't answer one other need we had to do this on a regular basis. And that is we needed volunteers, but it, because it requires a, a ton more people and diligent effort and just like people ready to serve and, and attention to details. And God has been working on that. And some of you have been the answer to that prayer, like you've stepped up and you've helped. And the Lord even brought us a couple people who for a decade had been doing live streaming and had actually had this in their background. And we did not know that. And the Lord brought them to our mind, to our attention, right at the right moment where we needed to make this happen. I just look again and again and say, Lord, thank you. You provide. You provide again and again. And we know this isn't like just a matter of convenience that we do live stream. This is going to be a spiritual lifeline for people to stay connected to our church. And I know some are going to need this for a long time. And I know others, like, who, who knows? We, we don't know. We may need to quarantine some point in time in the near future. We, we don't know this. We don't know the path. You may travel. You may be out of town. Your health may prevent you from coming. And yet the Lord has opened up this way, and I thank God for the way He has provided. I've not only seen God provide, but as I remember kind of, okay, I, I don't want to forget these things. I want to put some markers down because I've also seen God at work in the lives of people at our church. God's sustained us. He's given sustaining grace. So there's amazing grace, and there's kind of like the grace that, while it's amazing, it's also sustaining. It just gets us up every single day. And I know this season, like it's in many ways been so draining and difficult, especially to endure, but there's just been some things that have really stood out to me. One of those is the strength of our body is we have several generations that call Ogletown home. So most Sundays, it's not uncommon to worship with newborns and also worship with those that are well into their 90s. And that's a gift to our church. It has been, it will be, it is presently a gift to our church. But I just want to tell you one thing that has encouraged me where I saw God at work. And that is in the hearts and in the lives of the senior adults of our congregation. So I know any, any, amount, any height we stand, it's because we're standing on the shoulders of others. And we know that. But I think of the senior adults in our congregation who had to just kind of overnight adapt to technology. Overnight had to figure things out that can be very irritating, frustrating to people who've lived with that kind of technology their whole lives, much less are brand new to it, living, you know, an eighth or ninth decade in this life and having to figure out these things. But our, our senior adults did it again and again and again, and they showed up because they love what God is doing here. And, and it has meant the world to me. I read of passages like Psalm 92. It says, The righteous flourish like the palm tree. They grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They're planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. And they still bear fruit in old age. And our senior adults have been an example of like, this is what you do. Because you love your church, you adapt. You do what it takes to be present, to not give up. Even if it gets hard, even if it gets complicated, even if it gets inconvenient, like you still are there because you love what God has done. You love who God has called you to be a part of. And I also want to just kind of one more stake in the ground from what I remember with COVID is when there was a period, certainly in March or April, where things seemed financially like, where are things going to go? And I knew like, okay, we're not going to use the buildings as much, so we'll be able to save some there. Not as much programs, we'll be able to save some there. But what if things get drastic? What cuts would we have to make? Like, just trying to be realistic about it, and so we don't have to scramble 
and respond to something reactively, like trying to be proactive in what I saw our church do is give and give and give generously and generously and generously. And some of you even signed up for online giving, and that's not your preference. You much rather like give when you come to church, and that's a part of your worship, but you decided like, I'm going to give in whatever way I can figure out how to do this. I'm going to do it because I want to support God's work, and we were able to continue to support our missionaries, and we were able to continue to support our partners because of the giving that was done. So I, I greatly appreciate that. I can go just like story after story, but um, you may have a couple other things to do this Sunday afternoon. Let me just kind of like mark out, I'm remembering the past. I'm going to remember these stories. But I also want us to just for a moment, can we take, can we think about taking steps forward in the present? I'd love for us to just take a few minutes and think about how God is going to help us take steps forward in the present. So this is our eighth week of regathering on-site, in-person. We're right on the verge of going into fall, and generally school year does make a difference in the life of our church. Like people kind of come off summer, and they get ready, kind of things ramp up in the fall. That's the way it's always worked at Ogletown since I've been here, and it does, it does church. It feels like a pivot point. I don't think any of us are kind of looking at like, boy, I'll just, it'll be good when everything gets back to normal. Someone said in our staff meeting not too long ago, like, I think we ought to take our countdown to normal clock. We got to just throw that away. Because I, I think, and that's a realistic statement. It was a true statement. It's helpful. As much as I'd like for things to get normal, by normal, I mean like the way I like for things to run. We're, we're not going to get there. We're not going to get there anytime soon. And, and I think even the new normal that we'll find will be a different, different from what we experienced in 2019. Say. But we are taking steps forward. We are finding new rhythms. And I think if there's one word that's just been kind of emphasized in the present, what, we've, what our church needs to hear is the word participation. We need to hear the word participation. And, and I, w- I want you to see kind of where this word lands even in the New Testament. So in Acts 2.42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. And another way that Greek word is translated in the Bible is partnership or participation. So they devoted themselves, the disciples, the believers, the one who called on the name of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship or the participation to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Participation, participation driven by sacrifice and priority, not just driven by convenience. Okay, so a lot of convenience just got scrubbed overnight. So to participate in the life of church, to participate in Ogletown, is probably at this point not going to be a matter of convenience. There's this thing we got to think about, and these things, and this is different, and this has changed, and oh yeah, I didn't think about that. Oh yeah, that's affected as well. And things are not nearly as convenient as maybe they once were. But that's okay, because the life that Jesus is called to live was never one of catering to our conveniences and our preferences to begin with. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is just take a brief tour in God's Word. You stop at verses like, Jesus is called to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. As it is convenient. No, he doesn't say that. There's no caveats on that. When he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, 
as long as it's relatively comfortable. I mean, he doesn't add that, right? This is, a Jesus, this is Jesus who calls us to sacrifice, to make him a priority above everything else. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, and so I don't live any longer in Galatians 2. In Romans 12, 2, we're to offer our bodies up as a living sacrifice. It's just not the words of convenience. You just don't find them in Scripture. Fight the good fight of faith. That's words of difficulty and strain. These aren't words that are easy. But then again, nothing in my life that I look at that's like really, really meaningful came because it was all comfortable and convenient. Like so many things in my life are because it was sacrifice and discipline, but then because of that, and because we work through like there's a life that God brings, there's good things on the other side of that. So I know this is not an easy word. The Lord is calling us to something hard that demands everything, but it's also not just hard, but it's good because He's gentle and lowly at heart, and we will, we will in the midst of this find rest for our souls. We sacrifice, and that sacrifice when we make that a priority, it changes the question. When you've been around church for a while, you get a little spoiled. This is not preaching at you. This is preaching to myself. And you kind of look at it like, okay, what's in it for me? And if I don't kind of like it, I just thought like, it doesn't really work for me. Then you're just kind of like, ah, I just don't know that I'm not interested in it. What's in it for me? But then the way of Jesus calls us to ask different questions like, okay, why would God put me in this body to serve others? Like, who is he drawing me to? My life is not my own, but it's his. So it's not just about catering to myself. At present, what we're going to have to do at present, like as we kind of look forward to decisions we make, they're on a dual track. Okay, so there's in-person things happening, and there's online things happening, and that's for the foreseeable future. There's a good number regathering, you see, and I'm grateful for this. And there's a good number watching online, and I'm grateful for that. And, and, and so I'm calling us to, like, participate in the gathering. If you're watching online, I'm calling you to, like, make that a priority. Sacrifice things so that that becomes, like, a shaping thing for your week as we're regathering. Uh, Lord willing, we're going to rescheduled communion for September 20th, and I think that'll be another significant step as we gather around the body of Christ broken for us, the blood of Christ shed for us. As we say, this is part of what it means to gather as a church family. Next week, uh, Evan, or uh, Chris it was, that mentioned the baptisms that we had this past week. We're going to show those in next week's service and the week after that, because I want you to see, like, we are gathered in Christ's name. For some of you watching, there's going to come the Sunday where you go, I think I'm going to try it. If you need any help there, if you have any questions there, like, let us know that. Let us know that we want to walk with you through this process. So it's like a dual track on our gathering. It's a dual track in the efforts at, like, gathering around God's Word. So we're already meeting for Sunday Bible studies, but I walked through the hall and saw some there's computers open welcoming people that are joining online. And yeah, it's messy, and yeah, it's complicated, and it's a little bit different than before, but I, I have to believe God's honored by the efforts to say, let's stay together as much as we can. Let's gather. Let's not just be anonymous showing up and then kind of leaving doing our thing, but let's, like, let's be known. Let's know others. Let's do that. In, in a few weeks, Lord willing, September 13th, we're kind of targeting that day for our preschool and our children's ministries to 
start. And again, that's going to be participation. That's going to be, that word's going to have to drive that. It can't be outsourcing the discipling of my kids. Like, it can't be that. Like, no, no, we're going to participate in a body of caring well for those that are in the next generation who need to hear from other believers, pushing them to love God with all of their heart. And we realize even that there are new people here. And so we're we're scheduling toward the end of September a membership class where we want to introduce Ogletown to you in a more formal way. We want to get to know you better. Uh, we're grateful for who God has brought here. We want to extend that. Well, there are a lot of limitations, but this is what I say participate because this is what I'm fearful of. I know we have an enemy, 1 Peter 5.8 says, an enemy who's like a roaring lion just looking who he can devour. And I know it's always easier to devour someone if they're on their own. That's why Ecclesiastes says two are better than one. It'll just be better for you if you're part of a group, if you're known, if you're in a, in a community group, which those will be starting, Lord willing, soon as well. Bible studies, which are going to be starting soon as well. I, I do, this is far from an infomercial, but I do want you to stay up to date on some things. So I do want to give you a couple links here. Maybe you just jot down because... If you say, I want to know when these things are starting, I want to know when they get going, two particular things are going to be helpful to you. One is if you'll subscribe to the weekly email. My goal in sending that will be to send an email out that you will not automatically hit delete to, which is always tough as an organization. It's always easy, yeah, 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 just white noise. But, but that will be vital information for our life together as a church. And then also... Ogletown.info is another site that kind of helps us manage uh, current activities. So Ogletown.org is kind of a managed long-term kind of big picture kind of things. That Ogletown.info is like we can keep that up to date and do lots of sign-ups. So that, that, those two are going to be helpful to you, all right? That's the present. I could talk more, but I think you get the idea. Like I do think we're at a pivot point, and old normal is not coming back. But, but the gates of hell don't prevail against the church. Jesus Christ will build it, and he'll build it in fall of 2020, even with coronavirus concerns. He's going to do that. I'm confident he will. And just for a few remaining minutes, can we talk about how we need to be depending on God for what's ahead? Depending on God for what's ahead. So if I were to crystal ball, I think I've realized I need to take my crystal ball and just throw it out the window. And I need to do that because James for other reasons, but also for James, James tells us in James chapter 4, you people who say, you know what, tomorrow or today we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to go to that city, do you not know that you have no idea what tomorrow will bring? So it's better to say, if the Lord wills, then we'll do this tomorrow and we'll do that. I mean, you got to make plans, right? But it's better to say, if the Lord wills. So all this is if the Lord wills. We're, we are, we don't know like what's kind of on the horizon. And we, I like to make decisions. Like I like to make decisions a year in advance. I love planning that far ahead. And we've had to learn to make decisions days, weeks. So ba basically our decision time frame now is month to month. Assessing, evaluating, okay, here's where we feel like the Lord is moving us. But in the midst of that, as we are dependent on God for what's ahead, and as we know the gates of hell aren't going to prevail against the church, I will say, if ever before, now is certainly when I want to call on 
the church to say, it's time we pray. I'm asking you, like, it's time that you pray for the church. Pray that we don't grow weary in doing good things. Pray for our unity. I mean, I, I do feel like God has given us a united heart. I do feel that. I mean, there's always differences of opinion, but I feel like God has united us. Pray that we stay united. Pray that we stay disciplined, like making this a priority. Pray that we have wisdom and creativity because none of us have ever done like ministry where half, half seem to be meeting in person and half are online. None of, us, none of us have ever had experience in that. We're learning. Pray for wisdom in that. Pray for clarity. And God has pruned a lot of things. Pray that we understand, okay, God seems to have cut this off, cut this off. He's pruned our church and our ministries. Pray that we had clarity there. Pray that we don't forget our mission because I do know there are thousands of people in Newcastle County and beyond that need the impact of this church family. They need your impact. There are thousands, and that has not changed. If anything, it's escalated. So pray that we don't forget that. Pray that we don't forget that we're not here for ourselves. Pray that God would show us the way in ministries that I feel like we're bearing fruit before but now seem more complicated. Ministries like college ministry, which has always been a vital part. I mean, we're, we're a few miles from the University of Delaware, 20,000 students and other universities. I mean, that's always been a vital part. Well, university ministry is complicated now. And ministry to internationals is complicated right now. Sending out missionaries is not as easy. And, and it comes with a, a thousand caveats that's hard right now. And yet these things are things that matter to us. Pray for us. Pray that God would show us the way. Pray that God would work in your own life as God may be calling you to things. And I think it's not only time we pray, but it's time we prepare because this is what I know. God has good works already ordained for us to walk in. He's already prepared them. See, I, I don't just have a bent to say, let us get back to the past and do all the same things that we were doing in the past. I think God's going to do new things and he's going to bring new people and there's going to be new initiatives that may be on the short-term horizon and long-term horizon. And, and I'm saying, God, prepare us for that. Prepare us for that. I started with the verse that said, the gates of hell don't prevail against God's church. This is Jesus' promise. I want to close with a verse that's had my attention now for a couple weeks because it, it's one thing to say, Jesus said, he'll, he will build his church, but like, what is my role in the midst of all that? not just as a pastor, but as a Christian, as your brother in Christ. What is my role? What is your role in that? So I'd love for you to look at 2 Corinthians 5. I think it'll be on the screens. It says, the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all so that those who live, which we sang about our living hope, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Those who live might, and, and look at those words, no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. I'd say that's it, church. That's my goal, is that we would no longer live for ourselves, but we would live our lives. We would we'd be a friend. We'd be a faithful church member. We'd be an evangelist. 
We'd be a family member. We'd be a parent. We'd be a grandparent, an uncle, an aunt. We would live our life for him who died for our sake and is risen. That's the demand that I think when that permeates our church family, not living for ourselves, then I believe God will use that heartbeat. And I'm confident Jesus promised the gates of hell won't prevail against Christ's church. Our focus is on him. Can we pray? Asking for his help in the midst of all this. Father, we can't plan and we can't strategize enough to think through every possible thing that could come up. But you can run the world and you can run each person's life and you can direct Ogletown Baptist Church. This could be a season where, although we're pruned in some areas, we grow unbelievably in others. And Father, my prayer is that we would grow in our heartbeat, that we are not living for ourselves, our families and our jobs and our homes and our income and, and our friends and our surroundings are not for ourselves, but we are to live our lives for your sake. God, I pray that we would draw our attention to the cause of Christ and that heartbeat would just permeate our congregation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.